This episode is brought to you by the Copywriter Underground, the place to find more than 20 templates, dozens of presentations on topics like copywriting and marketing and mindset, a community of successful writers who share ideas and leads, and the Copywriter Club newsletter, which is mailed directly to your home every month. Learn more at thecopywriterunderground.com. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 189 as we chat with A-list health copywriter, Carlene Anglade-Cole, about working with and learning from her mentor, Clayton Makepeace, her life as a 50-year-old white man, hiring her kids to write copy for her, connecting emotionally with the buyers she writes for, and what it takes to write kick-butt copy. Welcome, Carlene. Hey, Carlene. Hey, guys. How are you? We're Great. doing good. I like the intro here. <laughs> that was all Rob. Rob wrote that one. Oh, Rob. Um, Very nice. Very nice. So we're we're excited to have you back. Um, we you know we were tried to record this. I don't know, was it a year ago? More yeah. than a year ago now. And I had major tech issues, and so we never we didn't know if this interview was ever going to happen. And I'm so glad that it will. So thanks, Carlene, for coming back. Thanks for inviting me. And let's kick it off with your story. How did you end up as a copywriter? Definitely, the, it was not a life plan. I had no idea what copywriting was. I was I gone to school and got my degree in communications and journalism. So I always knew I wanted to be in the writing field somehow, but didn't quite know how. I just sort of stumbled across the whole copywriting thing when I got a job working uh, at Phyllis Publishing. At the time, I had I had a two year old, two and a half year old, and a one year old, and I was just looking for a job that would uh, complement my husband's schedule. He was a firefighter and he worked shift work. So, you know, we had these kids and we wanted to be home with our kids ourselves. So I had to find some some kind of a job that would allow me to have the flexibility of being off when he had to work. Um, and then those, the days would shift, so it would change. And I happened to stumble across an ad in the paper for a customer service job for a direct response company called Phillips Publishing. And, uh, you know, and the biggest thing it had, you know, the biggest draw to me with that ad was it said flexible schedule. So I called and I interviewed and I got the job working in customer service. Um, and that's how I got into the whole direct response business. I had no idea how it worked, but here I was now answering phone calls and talking to customers. And then I'm seeing these renewal letters going and I'm seeing, hearing about different aspects of direct mail. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is interesting. But again, totally new to me. Um, and as I was working there, the company was very entrepreneurial. I mean, if you had an idea, it didn't matter where you worked. Um, uh, if, if you had an idea, you could submit an idea. And then if it was a good one, they, you know, they give you credit for it and, and uh, you know, help it make it happen. So I love that environment. And Tom Phillips and Bob King were, you know, the, the two guys there that were running the show and uh, just did an excellent job. So it was a great opportunity to learn from the ground floor. And I worked in customer service there. I was there and then I ended up switching over to the accounting department. Um, again, flexible schedule was the key. And I got probably an extra two bucks an hour uh, working, moving over to accounting. And, uh, and, you know, I have a way of talking myself into jobs because I have no accounting background whatsoever. 
but I got a job in the accounting department and I was learning how to, you know, reconcile the bank statement. So um, I did that for about a year and a half. And while working in the accounting department was when I started seeing uh, paperwork coming through for a new uh, division that was going to be starting up with um, within Phyllis Publishing. At the time, it was only a financial newsletter, but now they're about to launch the health market. And I was like, man, this sounds interesting. And so I'm, you know, I'm seeing that, you know, that they're really trying to grow this. And, uh, and then I'm, now we're seeing that they're looking for people with marketing background and all kinds of, you know, skills that they're looking for, for that division. And I had none of those skills, but it sounded interesting and I wanted to try it. Well, one of the jobs I had at, in the accounting department was every Friday, I had to stay as late as necessary to, to distribute what was called a green sheet. Um, every every day we uh, we get the green sheet, which would have the, the daily sales for the company. But on Friday, it would give us the total for the week and other information in there. So that was a very coveted piece of information that the powers that be, the you know Bob King and Tom Phillips and other CVPs in the company were waiting for that green sheet, and I was the one that had to put the last numbers in it, and then I had to go around and hand you know um, deliver it to a, you know, key, the key people in the company. Well, Bob King was hiring. He was in charge of this health division. And I had applied. I had, you know, I had tried to get a job the traditional way of applying, but nobody was getting back to me. So I decided I was taking matters into my own hands. And so it was a Friday and I decided, okay, this is it. So I go to Bob and I'm going to his office. And usually Bob has his head down. He just kind of puts his hands up and he goes, hey, Carlene, thank you. And then that's it. Like, hey, Bob, here you go. Bye. But this time he had his head down and I walked in and I held the green sheet about maybe six or eight inches from his grasp, you know, <laughs> so that he had to look up, you know, to realize he couldn't get it, you know, and here I am holding it. And as he's leaning to get it, I'm pulling it back further, you know, and he's <laughs> like, okay, what's going on? I'm like, Hey, I've been trying to get an interview for this, for a job in this department, but nobody's getting back to me. So I need, I need an interview. I need you to give me a job. You know, I want to do something here. And he says, so you're pretty much holding this ransom, you know, for me. I'm like, you know what? Call it what you want to. <laughs> I need an interview. I need an interview. And it was like a marketing assistant position. And uh, so I'm sitting there, you know, he's looking like, if you knew Bob King, deadpan, you know, very serious person, very wonderful person, but never gives off any emotions initially. So I'm standing there. I'm not budging. He's not getting that green sheet until he gives me, you know, uh, an interview. And so he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I want to interview for the marketing position. And so the next thing I know, he pulls out his calendar and he says, okay, let's do this. You know, <laughs> And he gives me, a, you know, he actually gives me an interview date. I'm like, oh my God. So I, I give, I said, thank you. And I got out of there as quick as possible, you know, um, and, uh, then I got a phone call, you know, to, from his uh, secretary to uh, set up the, the actual meeting. And I, I will tell you, that was probably the most intense interview I have ever had in my entire life. I mean, my career, you know, and I've had many interviews for other positions, much higher than that. But for a marketing assistant position that Bob King interviewed me for, it was over two hours long. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, yeah, I had, uh, I, I, was, I love to sew and I was making my clothes. One of two reasons I love to sew. Second is I couldn't afford to buy the stuff that I liked. So I was, I made this, I had made this really pretty green suit with a, a navy blue trim to it. It's kind of like a Chanel look suit. 
oh, fitted skirt, you know, uh, a pencil skirt. It was really cute. So I say that because I was sitting in that interview with Bob King. And by the end of that interview, I had ruined the suit with the sweat <laughs> that I had been pouring down from my back. I mean, I stained all the back of my suit. I'm like, oh my gosh. But he just asked such intense questions and was really just trying to get to know who I was, what, you know, and wanted to, you know, just kind of make sure there's a connection. And I asked this at him at one time, I'm like, you, you do this type of intensive interview for a marketing assistant? <laughs> Are you serious? And he says, oh, no, I don't, I'm not hiring you as a marketing assistant. You know, he says, I'm looking well beyond that. You know, he says, any people I'm, I'm looking for people who are going to be my directors, my group publishers, my VPs, you know, and I thought that was, that was a very powerful lesson. I, and I remember that when I interview people is you don't interview the person for that position, you know, because you, if you're a growing entrepreneurial company, you want people who are going to be able to, you know, to grow with your company too. And so anyway, I, he asked me the some questions at some point I figured I'm, I'm not getting this job because I don't know these answers. And, you know, he, it was just kind of ridiculous. Like two hours I've been there, you know? And uh, so I didn't think I had the job. So I, at that point I had nothing to lose. So I was just answering whatever I wanted to say. I didn't care, you know, um, just to let him see my attitude about stuff. Like he asked me one question was if you had a Sunday morning, you know, to yourself, what would you do? Uh, would you go <laughs> shopping he gave me choices. Would you go shopping? Would you uh, play a sport or would you read a book? And I just looked at him. I said, first of all, you stumped me with the whole concept of having a Sunday morning. <laughs> I got two kids. Are you kidding me? You know, what is that? You know? And so he was like straight face, like didn't, you know, you just laugh, Rob, chuckle, chuckle, nothing. He was looking at me like I'm expecting an answer. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to joke my way through it. And uh, then he's just not nothing, nothing at all. So I'm like, are you serious? I'm going to answer that. And he said, yes. I said, all right, well, maybe I will uh, lay in bed and read a book for a little bit. And then maybe call my friends to go shopping and then call some other ones and go play a sport. <laughs> <laughs> so I was answering those kind of questions because, like I said, at that point, I just thought, well, this is not happening. I'm not getting this job. Um, but, but then he started, he explained to me why he asked those questions. They were all marketing questions that I did not understand at the time. Like he said, for that one particularly, he said, um, it didn't matter what your answer was. He said, because with marketing, you know, you have to know, you know, you go shopping, that's marketing. You know, you're buying, you know, what's making you buy stuff. You know, if you're playing a sport, that's a team sport. Marketing's a team, you know, a, a business with team members in there. How do you do that? You know, reading definitely enhances what you're bringing into the, you know, to the mix. What are you reading? You know, what have you learned from that that you can bring into your job? So it was, there was never a wrong answer, uh, but I was just so impressed with, with all that after the fact, not during the interview. So I walked out of there really thinking I didn't have the job. And it was on a Friday. I had that in the, um, interview. And then Monday morning, I got a call from Marshall Hamilton, who was going to be the group publisher of the whole division. And he said, I don't know what you said to Bob King, but he said, hire her. You know, <laughs> so he says, I'm offering you the job. And that was my introduction to marketing. And now I became not the marketing assistant, but I got an immediate promotion to assistant marketing manager. And from there, it was learning list, learning, you know, direct mail. Just I knew nothing about this. I'm just learning it on the job. But I'm seeing this, this people called copywriters who are getting paid all this ridiculous amount of money. And they're living in these, you know, cool places. 
um, that I had, you know, like, wow, you can do this. You can work from home and you can make this kind of money. You can write. I like to write, you know, so that was my introduction to copywriting. And I had the privilege of uh, being able to meet the best copywriter, of, you know, at the time was was Clayton Makepeace. He was hired to write the health promotions and I was in a health department. So I got to meet him in person. I got to talk to him on the phone and we got to be we became friends. And so I would ask him, I said, hey, can I send you some copy? I'm writing on something. And he's like, sure, send it to me. Look at it. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to do something even better. I'm going to see what Clayton has written. And I'm going to just follow what he's done when I write my stuff. You know, my stuff is like two, four page special renewal letters, but he's writing long stuff. So I'm like, what is he doing here? So I started studying what he was, you know, turning in and then kind of going, man, I, I like this. I could do this. And then I was friends enough with him that I would call and say, can I ask you a question about, you know, this or whatever? And he was just so gracious enough to do that. And that became like almost a 27 year friendship. Um, that we, you know, we had from working back in Phillips days. So that was it. And so it just got to the point where I started writing more. I liked what I was doing. Now I have four children instead of two and wanted to just have flexible schedule. I just, you know, I was just feeling, I was being pulled too many ways. I wasn't home as much as I wanted to be. And my, my job was pulling me too much. So I, you know, my husband and I talked it over and, and, uh, said, Hey, you know, I think I can try to do something on my own. Just if I do like short letters or whatever, Let's pay off as many bills as we can, so the pressure's off. Um, and uh, you know, you know, let's try it. My husband has been telling me to do it for years before. I was always scared, but um, but decided, you know, that January first, nineteen ninety nine, was going to be it. So I went to Bob King, and then in October, uh, told him that you know I was going to leave because I just wanted to have more flexibility with my schedule. At the time, I was working on a um, on a um, a, a cruise for them. And we we're doing marketing first ever. I was always volunteering my hands to say, I'll try it. I'll try it. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll try it. So we decided to put on a cruise seminar. I said, I'll do it. And uh, so I figured out how to do it. And uh, so here I was in the middle of it. I'm telling him I'm going to leave. And he said to me, please don't leave now. If you can finish off this cruise, what I'll do is um, if, if you come back and it, it comes off wonderful, everybody's happy with it. You know, it's great. I will fire you. You know, and I'm like, what? If I do a great job, you're going to fire me? You know, he says, yeah, he says, I'll fire you because if you quit, then you get two weeks severance. That's it. He said, if I fire you, then, you know, you're going to have about six months of income, you know, because of the the fact that, um, you know, I had worked with the company for 12 years. So I'm like, okay, the goal is to get fired. Okay, I can do this. So did the great job with the cruise for everyone. Came, got A ratings from all of the people there. 700 people attended. And uh, then I came back and Bob says, okay, how about I fire you effective December 31st? And I'm like, that works for me. And so I got fired officially and I started my business January 1st. But at least I had about six months of income, you know, to help me kind of transition into that. But even before then, I told Clayton I was going to be leaving. And he said, well, I can't tell you what to do. I, I told him I was thinking about leaving. And he said, I can't tell you what to do, but when you leave, please give me a call. You know, I can't, I can't recommend you leave my, my, my best um, client, but when you do give me a call. And I said, okay. So January 1st, I called him and said, okay, I'm officially on my own. And he says, okay, let's get to work. And I started working under Clayton with, uh, you know, some projects, more marketing projects, but I got a chance to work really close with him 
um, you know, on, on the financial side of things for, for a couple of years. So he really helped me transition, you know, into, you know, getting on my own and, and writing copy. And then I decided I like health. I don't want to do financial. I like health. And I, and I did that. And I started working under him. He would take on jobs, turn it over to me. I would write it, you know, give it back to him. He would turn it in. So I was his ghostwriter. For several years, you know, I, got, I couldn't get the credit for the packages. I didn't matter. I was getting paid. And then after a few years of doing that, I said, you know what? I got to be able to, uh, to have my own name. I, you know, people have to know I'm doing this, you know, and he's like, I totally understand. And then I kind of went off on my own, took a pay cut because <laughs> uh, I couldn't, you know, get the amount of money that he was, um, you know, uh, demanding. But I started doing that and then building my own name uh, from there. And now the rest is history. That's all I'm doing is copywriting. It's an amazing story, you know, as, as, and I've, I've heard you share parts of it before. Um, you know, we've spent some time together in the past, but, um, you mentioned all of the things that you did with Clayton as you were learning how to be a copywriter, were there other resources or other things that you were doing in order to, you know, get those basic skills or, you know, was it really, uh, just learning from, from Clayton and what he did? It was on the job experience. Um, it was, it was learning from Clayton. It was anything that came in the mail reading copy, critiquing copy. Now I got, I, by the time I left Phillips, I was a, um, I was a marketing director. So I was not only working with Clayton, but I was working with other um, copywriters too. Jim Punkry, uh, Gary Bensavanga, uh, you know, um, their copy was coming, you know, for me to look at too, to read. So I got to see other copywriters in their styles uh, of writing in very different styles, but still very successful for our company. So I just started saying, you know what, this is my textbook. You know, this promotion is my textbook. Let me read this. What are they doing? How do you know? Look at that. He starts off telling this. He starts off doing this way. Look how he does this, you know? And so I would just, impl- I would just imitate what they did um, because there was, AWAI didn't exist at the time, you know, like it does now where they can, tre- you know, teach copywriters the skills. And I didn't know anybody else before who was going through any kind of copywriting schools because it didn't exist. It was figured out as you go along. I'm a very quick learner. Uh, and I liked what I was you know, seeing. So I wanted to learn how to do it and do it better. Um, but no, it was just results will tell you anything. Um, I had an experience when I was at, at Phillips. We somehow my boss didn't assign a copywriter to a renewal letter. And um, so all of a sudden it was time to have this renewal letter written. And he realized he didn't have a writer for it. And I'm like, I'll do it. You know, and so he's like, oh, he's like, he kind of just I said, OK, because he was desperate. He had nobody else. I said, I'll, I'll do it. I had to write a, a, a letter promoting a new uh, book on um, vitamins. And so all I did was I said, OK, what would Clayton do? What would Clayton do here? What would Clayton do? And I'm looking around and seeing it. I'm like, OK, Clayton just talks to a person. I'm going to talk to a person. I'm talking to my mom. And so I wrote it kind of in my head going, what would Clayton do here? What would he do here? What would he do? You know, and I wrote the letter that way. And then they tested it. It got the highest percent response of a of a special renewal mailing. It got over five percent response. Highest, but at the time was about four percent. So then we are in a meeting, a marketing meeting, and Bob King is there, and he's looking at the numbers, and he's like, "Oh, who's the copywriter who who wrote this one?" You know, he saw the five percent response, and my boss Marshall said, "Oh, we didn't have a copywriter. Carlene did it." At that moment, that's when my high moment went. I'm like, "Oh." Well, maybe that means Carlene is a copywriter. <laughs> <laughs> I said it to myself. That was when I said, oh, I'm a copywriter because they're asking who's the copywriter. 
And they're saying, well, we don't have a copywriter. Carlene did it. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that means Carlene is a copywriter. So that was like a, a nice empowering moment for me. But it was all through trial and error. It was got, get out there, write it, see what happens. Test, test this headline. If that didn't work, try another headline. Try another lead. You know, we were just kind of figuring it out. Uh, so I didn't have a, a, a plan of how to, you know, become a better copywriter. It was just get the work done. You know, now when I worked for Clayton, the great thing was I would write my copy and then he would copy chief it. And I would go back and see, what did he do? Why did he take this out? Why did he put this in? How did he, why did he change it like that? You know, and that, those are the kind of real powerful lessons that I, I learned from him. He's like, no, you know, you're giving away too much here. He said, come on, I got to tease it a little more, tease it a little more here, you know, or, you know, whatever um, direction he would give me. And I'll go, okay, okay, I got it. I got it. I'll go back and try it again and go back and try it until I got it right. Carlene, we, we've heard you speak at Titan's Masterclass with Brian Kurtz, and um, it was really clear in your presentation that you go above and beyond with your research into your customers, and you understand your audience on such a deep level, and you even pull in friends and family to really talk about the health issues that you're researching and understand what's happening. Um, I'm just wondering... Did you pull that from your early days in customer service? And what did you learn from those early days at Phillips in the customer service department that has influenced you as a copywriter and helped you maybe go deeper um, than most copywriters? Sure. Well, I would say out of all the jobs I've had and in the direct response industry, that job in my customer service and customer service was probably the most important job. And it was at the perfect time in my career. Because again, I was, I knew nothing. So I was a blank slate. And now I'm talking to customers all day long and I'm listening to the customers, you know, what they're saying, how they're saying it. Um, and, and I got to, I really, really understood the importance of listening to the customer, giving them what they want. Um, and, and not just in customer service, but that became part of how I was writing. And I, and I remember it. So my, it's funny because they, they always say that, oh, we are a, a 40 plus year old company. And I'm going, but the people I'm talking to are like 70 years old, you know, um, the, with the, the writing that comes in, you know, when they send things in, that's old writing. I can, I know what old writing is. That's my grandmother's writing. Uh, so I got to understand that to some degree, marketing may want to think that they are, that they are targeting X, but the people who are calling in are your real customers. And so I learned very quickly to listen to my customers. So when I would start a project with a client, I, I used to say, hey, give me a list of, you know, 50 or so of your of your customers. I want to call them up and talk with them on the phone. And I'd pick maybe 10 or 15 of those and call and talk with them and listen to who they are and really understand because I was I wasn't my market. I mean, I, at that point, I'm just barely in my 30s. And so that I'm not the market, but I need to be able to know who my market is. So I spent a lot of time you know, talking to customers when I was writing copy, depending on what I was working on, I would put together my own focus group. If I'm writing a package on menopause, you know, I'd invite my friends who are, you know, going through menopause or just gone through menopause. Say, listen, come over to the house for dinner. I'm going to have about 10 of you guys over. I'll, I'll, I got dinners on me. We'll just talk. And I would tell them I'm working on this project. I just want to hear what's going on. You know, and they were, they knew that and they would be very open and they would share their experiences with me. And I just listened. I listened and then I, I wrote down what they said. And it was amazing how their their quotes were, would show up right in my copy because I'm like, why do I have to make these words up? They're saying it themselves, 
you know, of how they feel about these things. And so I started to learn to just, you know, find out who my market is. I'm working on a prostate project. I don't, I don't know what it's like. You know, I'm not a guy who's like get up in the middle of the night constantly to pee. Now I could be the wife of that guy and talk about it that way, but I don't know what he's going through. So I'd call my friends, my guy friends over. I'm like, listen, I need some help here. What can, you know, what can you share with me, you know, about this? And uh, so they, they were very great, you know, wonderful to, to, to be, to have a source to, to be able to tap into when I need it. But I did that until I became my market. And I'm like, I don't have to know what it's like to be a 50 plus year old. I am a 50 plus year old, you know? So, I, you know, I, I know what it's like to have this and that or whatever. So that kind of helped me transition until I actually couldn't experience the things that I'm writing about for my, for my customers and my clients. Yeah, I love hearing you talk about that because I've heard you joke about, you know, living the life of a 50 year old white man, you know, even though that's so far from your, your, your own lived experience, um, but that you're able to step into those shoes because of the research that, that you do and, and, you know, the time that you spend really trying to understand your market. Yeah. Well, I mean, I joke about it and I think I even said it, it, was, it was at a Titans class the meeting when I said, look, I'm going to write a book and it's going to be called my life as a 50 plus year old white male. Uh, because that has been the, you know, the mantra for, from day one when I remember being in meetings, you know, and I, and I would try to, when I was working the list, I would try to rent younger lists and we were, I'm told, no, you know, we are a 50 plus year old white male market. You know, that's what you want to go after. You know, don't go, don't go too young, you know, you know? and I'm like, really? Um, and then I challenged that one time when I was in a, a meeting with, um, it was a boardroom meeting and we first did our, we did our first Magalog. Uh, one of the first ones, maybe the very first one, maybe second or third one we've done, and we were kind of critiquing it. And I'm looking at this four color piece, and I'm looking at all the people in here, and I'm like, okay, we got a color piece here, but I see no people of color, you know. And then I'm told, oh, because our market is 50 plus year old white males. And I said, well, tell that to my father in law because he's not, he's definitely not that, but he buys your products, you know. So I'm like, that's not true. You know, it's not completely true. The market may have started that way because the health, the health industry really, you know, spawned from the financial marketplace. When we were mailing health names, I mean, when we were trying to grow our health industry, we could only go to financial names to get those people initially because there weren't any health names. So, yes, we were going after the 50 plus year old white male financial buyers. But as time moved on, uh, you know, it definitely included women. And definitely included other people of color. But predominantly, that's what I was always being told. No, we're 50 plus year old white males. That's who that's who our target market is. If you write to that market, then you're going to have a better chance of success if you try to, you know, than trying to write outside of that market. So that was just ingrained in my brain. I had to fight it a lot of times. Uh, but that is who I am predominantly, you know, I am, well, I am writing to a predominantly white market. I know that I think it's more than, it's more like 60 to 70 year olds now, not just 50, um, as my core, but I also know we're pulling in a lot of 40 year olds who are having problems much earlier than the previous generation had because of poor diet and, and lifestyle. So I, I, I've, I've fought that, but in my heart, I do know that is a very core of the of the industry that if you write to that group you can have a good success with it so i i'm gonna i'm actually working on a book and that's the running title right now 
I can't wait to buy that book. I'm I'm looking for it on Amazon. So while we're still talking about, you know, kind of early in your career, um, I just want to mention uh, Clayton one more time. He, he recently passed away. And I'm just wondering if you would mind sharing just uh, one or two of your you know biggest lessons that you learned from working with him and having him as your mentor. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, just one or two. You don't want 35? Well, we can go 35 uh, if you want. I'm not sure how much time I've got. But. <laughs> no, um, probably the biggest lesson I learned from Clayton, and, and it was just very intuitively with him. He, he would tell me, you know, to write like you talk, just write, you know, you're, you're, you may be writing, but you're having a conversation with your reader, you know, so, you know, be, you know get rid of the, forget the big words. You know, don't try to be impressive with stuff. Just write like you talk. And he said, so the way he writes is going to be different, you know, because he talks differently than I do. And that's fine. He says, no, don't, you don't have to imitate me, but just write like you talk because you're going to find your natural voice there. And I really appreciate that because he was not saying imitate my voice. You know, he was saying this will help you find your own voice. And I, and it, I think it definitely did. Because I, I know how I talk. I listen to myself talk and I try to pace my writing like I talk. So short sentences, interruptive thoughts, <clears throat> all that's fine because that's how I talk. And I found when I do that, I have developed my own voice, you know, with that. But I was using Clayton as definitely my template, you know, until I could be able to find out who I was. Um, and that was a very powerful lesson. Um, then one, one funny story that, when we were working, I was working on a, um, a, a potency, a male potency product. And I, so I, I, did, I wrote the copy and everything else. And I asked him if he would be willing to credit for me. If he would just, you know, just take a look at it and give me some credits on it. And so he's reading, he, he says, sure. And so I sent, sent it to him and then he gets it back to me. His biggest crit is you write like a effing girl, you know? <laughs> and I went back, I'm like, I am a girl, you know? And he says, yeah, but your market isn't. So stop it. He says, so you need to get out of your head and get into the male head to figure out what you what you're talking about. He says, guys don't say this stuff. You know, he's like, you're writing like a girl. Stop. So that was this. So I think he says, so go and he said, go, go, go fart, go burp, go adjust your package and go back to the you know computer and write that copy <laughs> like a guy. <laughs> Yeah, that was. I mean, that was the only critique. He's like, if you stop writing like a girl, you know, and you know, write like a guy, then you're going to be okay with this. And uh, and it and I did, and the package ended up being a control, ended up beating a guy, a male copywriter who wrote who who had the control. So that was a really great experience that I have. Um, And then the other thing I would say that Clayton was really good at, and I definitely imitated that was, don't assume you know your market. You know, the market is always shifting at some, you know, angles or whatnot. And you can't necessarily know where your market is at the time. So the way to kind of find out where they are is by multiple tests, you know, writing several different cover tests so that maybe the market is is, is scared right now. So do a fear based test. Maybe the market is excited. So do an energy based test. Maybe the market just doesn't know. So do a question based test. Maybe the market is uh, sarcastic. So, you know, bring up that aspect of the test. So just sort of test all different kinds of emotions with your package and see where the market is. And it'll, it will come to you. They'll tell you where they are. And so I, I love that. And I really emphasize that with all my clients, you know, today is I'm going to give you six, eight, 10 cover tests. 
with every package I give you. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm not charging you extra, but I'm giving you these tests because they are, they are testing different aspects of the market. And if you're smart, you're going to test these covers so you can see where your market is instead of saying, oh, no, 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 I think this one's going to work and decide to put all your money in that one cover test. I said, don't ever do that because we're going to be wrong just as much, if not more than we are right. So Clayton always taught me, you know, you need to make sure you test different aspects of your package to give yourself the best chance of getting a success. And so I think those were kind of a couple uh, times. So, but I thought about every time Clayton made me cry about something he said, my income went up. I thought about that. (laughs) You know, because he would say something to me like, you know, you run like a girl. He's yelling at me. He's not being nice, by the way. He's yelling at me. And at the end, he'll say, but you know, I love you, right? (laughs) He would yell like, you're right like an effing girl. What are you doing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I am a girl, you know? And I can say I got tears coming out, but then I just wiped those tears and I went and fixed what he said. And then boom, I got a control, you know, or he'll come back and he say, this is lame copy. Get it, fix it. What are you doing? You know, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, he'll say, I need something strong right here. You know, you lost me right here. Get it back. And I'm like, oh, get some of my nerves. You know, so I go back and I do the research and I put it in there. It goes, there you go. That's it. You know, and then it works. So, like I said, it makes me, every time it makes me cry, uh, ka-ching happens. Just to dig a little bit more into the idea behind testing emotions, I think that's something that we haven't talked as much about on this podcast. And it's something, especially for newer copywriters, they aren't doing that and they may not even follow what you're talking about. Can you just describe that process in a little bit more detail and how um, copywriters who haven't done it before can start testing these different emotions in their own copy too? Sure. Um, Well, I'll give you an example. I'm working right now on a sleep package. All right. And so it's a new product that's coming out, brand new, you know, for the market. And so, you know, I'm going to look at that sleep package and I'm going to look at different ways to get into it. So I'm going to I'm going to put a list of things down. OK, put a get a question headline out there. Find a headline that could be, a, you know, a good question headline that I can probably use for, you know, that package. Find a, a kind of a, 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 a maybe comical. You know, I'll use humor. I love to use humor. You got to be careful with it, but, you know, it can definitely work. So I will use humor if I need to. Um, so I have a note to myself, give me a humor headline. Um, I'll have uh, maybe an announcing headline, you know, announcing, you know, I will do, maybe I'll do something that's more the antithesis of what the, the package is about. You know, maybe I'll go more of a, if the package is going to be a great sleep aid, you know, maybe I'll make, I may call it a sleep miracle on one cover. I may call it a sleep hoax on the other cover test, you know, you know, so it's like you just play around with different ideas that you would be able to, to kind of create a cover with it. If it, maybe it's got competitors, maybe I'll bring up something that competitor has and just kind of slam it, you know, maybe I'll, I'll do something that's just um, a very basic uh, um, you know, desire. What do people who can't sleep want? You know, they want sweet dreams. They want to sleep like a, a log. They, you know, may bring that up as a headline. So all of these are different types of emotions that I'm going to try to bring up in my package um, and try to make the, the cover test look very different. So one may be even a scientific approach. You know, researchers at University of so-and-so, so-and-so reveal the remarkable sleep formula that's da 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 you know, that could be one aspect. So I'll look, I'll sit there and I'll write down, okay, scientific approach and contrarian approach, uh, very benefit-oriented approach, question approach, 
comical approach. I'll put all those down. And then I'll say, okay, let's create a cover test that supports all those. Next thing you know, you got seven, eight different cover tests, all about the same product. And that is great because you, you give those to your client and maybe he or she can't test all seven or eight at the same time, but at least they've got them that you can, you know, they can say, okay, we'll test three or four right now and go back to the other ones later. It won't come back to you six months later saying, hey, Carlene, we need new cover tests on this sleep one. I'm like, I have no idea what I wrote about, you know, and I've got to get back into this package, you know, but while I'm in the package, I cover ideas can pop up like crazy. So I put them all, I give them all to the clients. Like, here's some ideas for you to keep using, you know, so test whatever you want to test at a time and keep going at it. Let me know how they're doing. So now I'll get the first round of results to say, oh, this contrarian approach really worked. And uh, so I said, okay, great to know. So maybe in the next round, I'll do more contrarian ideas to see if I can kind of fine tune it. Uh, so that's that's kind of how the process is. Like play a little game with just creating different types of headlines. Just write them one to 10, write down different types of headlines and then come up with a cover test that would, that would support that headline. And from those 10, you may find five or six really good ones that you can then, you know, use to, to, to turn into your client. And remember, you know, if you turn in one, you, should have, you turn in a package with one cover test, you have now put all your eggs in one basket. That cover test is going to work or it's not. But if you give the client three or four different cover tests and the client tests it, well, now you got, you know, one of those, you got, you have a chance here. You got four chances of having that package work for you. And so I go with the odds. I want the more more chances possible to um, to make that package work. And the cover is going to be the determining factor of what's going to make it work. Yeah, and I imagine the same lessons are directly applicable to you know email and testing subject lines and you know online sales pages, testing different headlines, uh, ads that drive uh, you know traffic to uh, those pages. So a really really good idea. Yeah, it's you know the terminology the, the the medium may change, but the terminology is really the same. Um, headline, whether I'm talking a direct mail piece, you know, headline versus subject line, if I'm talking email on your landing page, copy headline. I mean, those, it's still the same elements. They just, they get tweaked around depending on what medium you're using to market with. But the concept I have learned is always the same. You've got to have a strong headline. You need a strong lead. You got to have a strong promise. You got to have, you know, proof elements that support what you're saying. You need a kick butt offer. You know, you need to kill them with a close. And no matter what you're doing, if you do those things, those elements, you're, you're going to have a success with it. Yeah. So you just mentioned the kick butt close. I've been on your list for a while and I've uh, watched you talk about kick butt copy uh, and you know some of the stuff that you teach and share with your list. Tell us uh, what it takes to write kick butt copy, You know, stuff that really resonates. I, for me, one thing I, I definitely know for me helps is that I believe in what I'm writing. Um, I don't, I don't work or write for people who I think have crappy products. And I know it's hard if you're starting off, you don't have as much of a, you know, of a leeway. And I didn't either. I mean, when I first started off, people who were giving me opportunities to write packages were mo mostly male potency products. Um, to, you know, and I broke into the male potency, but they didn't want to give it to me at first. I was a girl. Um, and then when I did it and I got a control, now people wanted me to write potency products. I'm like, ugh, you know what I mean? Okay, I'll do it. But, ugh, you know, I'm like getting up in the morning to go, I'm so excited about writing my potency. Um, but I understand that, you know, and I wrote about gardening and I wrote about um, just different types of books. Whenever I could get a job, I understand when you're starting off that 
you gotta get you gotta you gotta pay your dues. So you're gonna write copy that you're gonna do, and you're gonna do the best job possible, you know, for it. Um, now I can choose to be a lot more um, selective, and I am with what I'm writing on. So I do I I when I'm writing about something, I really believe that this is a good product that should be on the market, so that you know it would benefit people. And I always say, if I I don't want to write copy that's so good for a crappy product and then my mom buys it, you know, and I would be so mad that my mom bought a crappy product that I wrote the copy for because the copy was so good. So I think about that's kind of my internal um, gauge right there. So I, I write, I mean, I work and I do work with very good clients. So I, I'm, that's not a problem. Um, but if you're starting off, you know, you got to find something in the product that you believe in that, you know, that has a great, selling point that you can, you know, just showcase. So finding a story is critical um, to, to get to, to write a quick butt package because you got to find something that that you can grab onto to, to, to really kind of help nail the sale. So I love finding products that have a story. They don't have a story. I'll try to find a story I could tie in with the product because I think storytelling is so powerful. Um, we're just so, we're ingrained to to hear stories. We believe stories. I mean, remember with kids, you know, before bedtime, what do you say? You know, pull out the book and you go once upon a time and a story is about to come. And so we, we are just so pre-wired to understand stories and you can make so many powerful uh, lessons, very crystal clear by telling a simple story. So I really emphasize trying to find what is the story. In fact, my client, right before we start talking, he's like, Carlene, we've got, we've got these four products. What do you want to work on next? And I'm like, dude, my answer is always the same. Which one has the best story? You know, it doesn't matter what the product is. Which, who's got the best story that I could, you know, kind of get into? Um, so it's kind of funny you mentioned that. But that, that to me is like, okay, what's the story? What is it? And then after that, my big question is always, so what? You know, you want to really be sarcastic, you know, in your mindset. Like, why would somebody want this product? Who cares? It's just like another one, isn't it? You know, I mean, just really go go for the jugular and try to destroy the product as much as you possibly can to find out why it's so great. And usually I'm having my meetings with my clients and uh, we're having our, our kickoff meeting. And that's really where that my so what attitude comes in. I'm going, why is it so great? Why do I want to do this? Why do I want to spend my you know a month of my life writing about this? Or why do I want to I want to bother people with more stuff to read? You know, so just sort of let the client tell you why the product is so great. If they don't know why it's so great, that's a red flag right there. Um, and maybe it's not, and you shouldn't do it. But for the most part, my clients will just say, hey, you know, this is good because, and they start giving me really great stuff that I'm just writing down what they're saying at that time, letting them convince me, you know, why this product is so good because my job will then be to convince the market the product is good. So I'm, so I'm letting them tell me why it is and then I'm going to read the information they've given me and I might find other things that didn't mention or um, just, you know, just different ideas may come up from there. But all that is in the research stage of just trying to convince yourself that, man, this is some really good stuff. And then I started talking about it before I started writing. I started telling my family, hey, you guys, I heard about this thing that does X, Y, Z. Or, you know, here's this. Have you heard anything like that? Would you like something like that? And just kind of started talking it in my head with people, my family and my friends. And just kind of seeing, kind of get a take from them and hearing what they're saying about it. All that is just building up. It's just fodder I'm creating in my brain, you know, for when I'm starting to write. Sort of what is so great about this? 
And I, you know, the sleep product, for example, I had my, I had a couple of relatives who have a terrible time sleeping. You know, I don't, I, I hit the, 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 um, pillow and I am gone. I mean, I have no issues with sleep. So I was, I was hesitant to take the product on because I'm like, yeah, I don't have this problem. But then I say, I know a lot of people who do. So I just started talking to them and saying, well, what's the deal? Are you having a hard time falling asleep or you having a hard time staying asleep or are you waking up in the middle of the night or what's, you know, and I'm hearing their stories and they're different ones. And I'm going, oh, okay. And then I'm going back to the research. And I'm like, well, this product can do it for this one. This one can do for that. I start matching up the stories I'm hearing with what the benefits of the product are. And so I'm doing all this until at some point I get my aha moment. That's like, oh, here's something interesting. And as I'm getting that, I just start writing. I just, you know, open up a file and I'm just dumping ideas into that file. Nothing, nothing concrete. Just like, oh, okay. As I'm researching, I'm reading. I'm like, oh, that's new. I didn't know that. Well, gee, I don't know that. I bet you my market doesn't know either. So I maybe just jot down some notes, maybe create a little sidebar here, or maybe say, this could be a headline, or this would be a great um, premium idea. Uh, you know, uh, a special report to offer as a premium, or this could be a good sidebar. This could be a good, you know, subhead. So I'm just, I'm just jot, jotting things down and putting little notes next to them as I'm going through. And then it's this, this process continues to go until I'm actually in the process of writing, you know, the package. And at that point, it's really, I got maybe, I may have about 50, 50 or 60 pages of just information. I just dumped in this file. And so I think about what, um, I also forget the, the, who was, who, who, who did the Sistine Chapel? Who Michelangelo? Yeah, Michelangelo. Michelangelo, right? And I think it was a quote I read by him, and he was it was saying, "How do you take a piece of marble and turn it to such a you know to such a great piece of art?" You know, and he says, "Oh, the art is there. I just chip away at the stuff I don't need." Mm, yeah. Now I always love that. I'm like, yes. So because now I've got all this really good research, and maybe I've got some testimonials, and I've heard great stories. All that is just dumped in my file, you know, uh, uh, my doc, my Word doc, and I'm like, well, my package is in here somewhere. I just got to now chisel away at the stuff I don't need. So then I start working that way. I start going, oh, you know what? Ah, this is good. I'm gonna pull this over on this side and put this over here in the sidebar. I like that. Let me rewrite this a little bit. Maybe that could be my lead. Or let me just take this side. Oh no, these are more bullets. You know, I mean, it's all there. So I just have to now. I'm just you know kind of chiseling away at the package until something starts to form that's looking like a direct mail piece. You know, and I'm just doing that chiseling away until I got my letter and I get the elements in place. And now I start doing hard edits. You know, I'm going through going, okay, this sounds good. Where's the proof? You know, so I'll put a note. I need proof here. or I need to research about something here. Um, and or, yeah, this doesn't sound too too credible. Um, I'm taking it out. This this sounds lame. Or, oh, I could really use a great testimonial here. You know, as I'm, as I'm writing it, I can see where mm, this could be so much stronger if I had X. And I'll just put a note to myself. I need this. I need this. I need this. Because if I stop to go look for that thing right now, I would get totally distracted. You know, and now I've lost a day, you know, so like I tell you, I, I'm a, my personality type on, on the Myers-Briggs is like ENFP. And that would be the personality that it, it says, if you were praying to God as an ENFP, it would be, oh, God, please help me focus. Oh, look, a bird. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am an INFP. So I, oh, I feel you. I can you relate feel, to that. Yeah. So uh, so that's kind of like, so I cannot allow myself. To, to do that. And I would say same thing, like I, when I'm working on a, I, I could be working on an arthritis package 
And if, let's say I'm, I'm writing, I'm working on, on, on arthritis and arthritis, well, that's joint pain. And so then I'm writing my joint pain and I see gout. I'm like, oh, gout, well, that's arthritis of the foot. Foot, oh, I need some new shoes. I'm <laughs> online buying shoes, you know? So I try to stay, when I'm doing this part of the writing, I try to stay away from letting myself get distracted. I put notes to myself, need this here, need this here, need this here. And I just keep going through the process. And then the next round is, okay, what do I need? Maybe I'll, if I, I need something, a specific quote, maybe I'll call one of my researchers and say, hey, I need you to find me a quote on this. You know, this is what I'm looking for. And then give it to the researcher to do it. You know, they come back and give me what I need. And so therefore, I'm not getting distracted from writing the package the, the way I need to do it. Um, so then as I'm doing that, I mean, that's where ideas come from, where there's cover tests. You go, oh, this is a really good idea. I think we should make this a cover you know, and uh, put a made new headline off of this. And, you know, so it just kind of evolves uh, along the way. But you've got to have the key elements in there to get a kick butt package. You've got to have a strong headline. You've got to have a strong lead. You've got to have proof elements and different kinds, you know, credibility pieces. You want to get quotes from, you know, um, noted authorities. Uh, you want to get testimonials uh, from people who've used the product. You need to have those things in that package to make it, you know, like, oh, man, this is really strong. Um, and you've got to have a really great offer that people will be crazy to say no to. And all my clients, um, one thing they have in common is we always offer a 100% money back guarantee if you're not happy with your results. Now, some clients may say within 60 days, some may say within 90 days, some may say one year, some may say lifetime. And that's up to the client and their company to decide the time frame. But I won't work with anybody who does not offer a 100% money back guarantee if the if the um, the customer is not happy because that's for two ways. One, it lets me see that the that the um, client really believes in his product and it's not a fly by night company that's gonna just you know try to get the money and run. And two, the, I'm protecting the customer's interest too because you know hey if they've tried it and they're not happy with it, give them their money back. Give them their money back and move on. You know, that's that's my rule. And uh, and I, I stick with that all the time. So those are things. So those are kind of that's kind of how to go about creating a, a you know, a, a kick butt uh, sales letter or, or a direct mail piece or, or even a Magalog. That's yeah, there's a lot in there. And that's a solid roadmap for us to use. I know we're running out of time, but I want to hear about your experience working with your kids and and they're kids, but they're grown adults. So can you just share a couple lessons learned from your experience working with your kids as they become, have become copywriters as well? I forget if it's one of your daughters or if it's a couple, but um, can you just share a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Well, when I started working from home and I became a copywriter at the time, my, my, um, my, my kids were, were set, uh, six, uh, six, nine, 11, and 13. So those are the ages when I actually became a full-time copywriter. And at that point, I started getting them involved just because I needed the extra work. You know, my son was the one responsible for emptying out my trash for me. Every day after school, he would come and take out the trash. Uh, he got paid for that. So it was his job. Um, and I, my um, older girls, my two older ones, they wanted to try to get jobs to, uh, you know, to make money. And some of them, you know, they're working. Uh, want to get jobs working at the ice cream place or the, or the um, McDonald's or whatever. They want to do those things. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I said, so I tried to show them. I said, you could do that, but let me, let's do some math here. You know, if, you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter was trying to make $250. Um, she wanted to buy something. I don't know. 
And I'm like, okay, so if you were working at your, she went to Jimmy Cone ice cream place. So you're working at Jimmy Cone um, and you, you know, making, I don't know how much make an hour, you know, five, eight, six dollars an hour, whatever you're making hourly, how long is it going to take you to earn that $225, you know? And so she would just do the math and give me, come back to me. And then I said, okay, I said, now let me show you this, you know, this is called a sidebar. And I showed her how to the sidebar. Of course, I said, if you can write me a sidebar, I'll pay you $200 for that. You know, and now depending how long it takes you, you were looking at, I didn't do the math, whatever I said with the, that, whatever. If it's taking you, you know, a month to earn that money, you can do that in a day or two days. So I just started showing them, you know, hey, if you can learn this, there's, you can make more money and you can control your time. That's what's really important, controlling your time. And so, um, so they would, you know, I had them writing, you know, sidebars for me, paragraphs of things. Or I'd have them, um, when I would do cover tests, I would have the whole family. I put, I put all the cover tests on the floor and I would have them all guess which one they thought was going to win. You know, we have contests with it. I'm like, why do you like that one? He goes, oh, I don't know. It just caught my eye. I said, well, why did it catch your eye? You know, I, said, I don't know. I like that word. You know, started getting them to see, like, look, look at what you're doing. You know, pay attention to what you're seeing because that's all really part of marketing. That's all, you know, part of writing too. So did that with them and they've had different jobs with me. My oldest daughter, uh, I had to fire her because she thought that she knew more than I, I did. Um, so I fired her. Sounds and like my <laughs> oldest child as well. Yeah, very similar. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, how about you learn something first and then you teach me? You know, I'm, I'm okay with learning, but you don't know anything. Uh, so teach me. Why don't you learn and then teach me? But she just got to the point. I fired. She was probably maybe 16 or 17 at that time. So I said, okay, we're done because you're getting on my nerves more than I can get the work done. So you're fired. My second daughter always says, mom, don't tell people you fired me because you didn't fire me. I quit. I said, okay, <laughs> you quit. Um, and, uh, but you know, she had worked with me for a while doing things. And all my kids filed for me. I would say to them, get me the, co- you know, get me the control for this. And they knew what that meant. So just, just because they're in, you know, they just getting them involved in the, in the, my job. So they all understood what that meant. Um, and uh, so my second daughter said, quit. I didn't fire her, but she did leave. And at that point I said, okay, nobody's working for me anymore. At this point, you guys need to get your own businesses. You're going to have to start on your own. No one's working for me. Um, and that's, I've kept that the truth. So my oldest daughter, Milan, the know-it-all, uh, is, is a copywriter. She, she went to school. She wanted to major in public relations. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> have fun with that one. Um, so she did, she was doing it, but then she got married and then she had a baby and then all of a sudden she wanted to have her time, you know, to control her time. And so she started getting more into copywriting and she was, mom, I'll work for you. I'm like, oh no, you will not. You can start your own business. You know, you can do it yourself. So, so she started her own business and she's been doing it now for t- what, 12 years, I think, 10, 11 years, something like that. So she's, um, so she's a copywriter. She's worked with other co- clients I've never worked with, and she's very good. Um, and she's very good um, as far as the marketing aspect, too. She's good at doing the email campaigns and all that. I'm not that good at that. I'm still better at the writing part, but she can do marketing and the writing. So that's Milan. So she went off her own. And Sierra, my traveler, all she wanted to do was she wouldn't move out the house. She just wanted to save up money so that she could travel. And she doesn't need a lot of volunteer work. So a combination of, you know, she needs to be able to make money and then spend it, you know, by going, living somewhere. She could live in Ireland for three months, you know, and didn't have to work because she had made the money doing it. So she started writing um, and she's very good at it. And then I took her to AWI with me one year when they had a design program. 
uh, with Lori Haller and Rob Davis were um, putting it together. And she took that course, the, you know, uh, while she was there, she came back, she goes, this is what I want to do. I want to be a designer. Um, and she was in her second year of college. And she's like, I, I rather, I want to do this. So I said, okay, well, that, we'll get you started doing that. So she dropped out of college and went on and, and started doing design. Um, and she was very good at it. And then now she's doing copywriting and design. Uh, so, which is very rare because I've only known two other copywriters slash designers who could do the same thing, who were just as good as copywriting as they were at design. I, I am not, I am totally a writer. I'm terrible. Design, I give, I, I know what I want to see. I don't know how to make it happen. Um, so she has, she's able to do that. So I have Milan right now working on a project with me on a book, on an ebook. Um, and I have Tierra working with me right now on a project for one of my clients um, uh, on a, a blood thinning product. So they're working as their own independent people for their own companies. So I'm like, I'm hiring them to work with me on projects, just like I'm one of their clients, like anybody else will be one of their clients. So if I do get preferential treatment as their mother, I will use the mom card if I need to. There you go. That's important to be able to to be able to pull that card. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then my third daughter, JL, who hates writing, hates everything I do. Um, now she's my assistant. She for the past uh, six months, she's been working with me, kind of helping me pull things together. And so she's not doing the writing part of it, but she's more on the on the business part. You know, just kind of helping me to kind of get keep my business going. You know, handling things I need to take care of. So she's involved in there. My son never wanted to get into it. He's like his dad. He wanted to be a firefighter. He's like, I cannot sit behind a desk and uh, look at a computer all day. That was like, nope. Uh, so I would have to say now, you have a 50% success rate. I have 50% of my kids are copywriters, but I'd say 75% are now working in the industry. So that's my record. That's them. pretty good. That's a pretty good record. So Carlene, as we, as we chat, like, I feel like there's a million more questions we could be asking you. We should probably do a second part of this podcast or even better, have you come and speak at our uh, live event one of these, uh, one of these years. Um, but until then, where, if, if people want to find out more about you or get on your list, um, you know, learn what you're doing, where should they go? Um, well, I have an easing, a free easing called Copy Star that is on my website, CarleneCole.com, um, C-A-R-L-I-N-E, Cole.com. It is, again, it's free. Every, every other week I send out copywriting tips and hints and just whatever I feel, whatever I feel like, you know, it's like, hey guys, this is working for me right now. You might want to try this. Um, or we go back to some basics about, you know, how to write strong headlines, how to write strong bullets. So I have that. Um, you can go to my website and sign up for that and you'll get to be on the copy star list. Um, that's fine. I, they did put me up on Facebook. Now I, my, 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 my daughter, my daughter, uh, who just started with me, she's, um, you know, she and my, my assistant Cynthia are like, you gotta get on Facebook. So they've got me on a Facebook page where we're putting again, more tips for copywriting on there. Um, you know, I do speak at AWAI, um, you know, at, at their annual meeting now it's going to be in October. Uh, and I know we talked about, you know, doing something with you guys. I just don't go out. I mean, I just, I like my life. You know, I've been socially distanced for, um, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going to bring TCC IRL to you. We're going to have it at your that's home. Currently. Yeah, if that's, if that's what it takes, what it we'll takes. do it. Yeah. Or at least have it in Atlanta. There you go. Atlanta's only like less than an hour away. We can make that. We have a lot of copywriters in the club who are in Atlanta. So we'll make that happen in the next few years. Definitely. You know what? If that happens, that's a better chance. That way I can come down for the day or whatever um, and then do it so to help out. But 
I yeah, like I like the events. Don't get me wrong; they're great. Like Brian, I only did Brian's event because of the fact that I wasn't doing the OWAI event that year because I could. They they switched it to October, and I was already booked for October. I couldn't do anything there, so I'm like, okay. Then Brian says, "Hey, can you come do mine?" I'm like, "Yeah, I can," because I'm not I'm not doing anything this year. And I that was a great event. I I enjoyed. It. I always enjoy myself doing these things, but. I'm a working copywriter, you know, it's like I, my schedule is booked for the year. So when I'm gone, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be gone for four days. That just means I'm going to be behind by four days, you know, when I get back to work. And I don't like that as much. But I do I do love the fact that you guys are, you know, putting together the club. Kim Krause, uh, Krause Schwab always talks highly about your events. She and Marcella, Allison, so, you know, they've attended several, I think, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You should go. It's great. I'm like, I know. It's fun. Know we it's have- <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to make it happen once we get to Atlanta. So, um, Carlene, thank you so much again for coming back to do this interview and sharing so much about your process and the way you approach copywriting. Uh, it's really just a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad. And look, it went out with no glitches, nothing, right? <laughs> don't, don't say that <laughs> yet. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.